Thank you all for coming and thank you to EA for organizing this. I think it's a tremendous event and it's just been amazing to watch the growth of this movement over the past few years and be a part of it. I think EA has been an important part of the Give Directly story over the last few years and an important part of a broader trend in international development or what we call here global poverty issues. And that trend has really been a, towards a shift towards cash transfers and thinking more systemically about effective giving. So today I want to talk about scalable effective altruism. Why scale? I think as we look around, there's tremendous growth, and I think there can be even more. And we need to start thinking about what that growth looks like and how we can continue to punch above our weight as effective altruists. But I also think that thinking about systemic change and scale has probably been the most cited criticism of the EA movement. And I think that it's one that we can address. And that's really where I want to spend the time today. So the question I'd like us to focus on, and this will filter through the whole presentation, is how can we not just have the most impact today, but how can we optimize for tomorrow's scale? So before we talk about scale, just some basics. And this is my oversimplified framework that is almost too obvious to share with you about how we and I think about getting to scale. So the first thing you do is you have an idea. In our case, the idea was giving poor people money. It's pretty simple. The second part of getting to scale is executing against that idea. Uh, we had to found two companies, Give Directly and Segovia, um, and it's a lot harder than it sounds. I won't spend too much time on the execution piece today, but I think as a sector, we have a tendency to debate ideas or concepts or interventions and not go the layer below to execution. And I think about where we are in the valley where there are so many good ideas, social networking, it was great, but Facebook executed where Friendster did not. And I really hope as a kind of global poverty community and as the EA community, we start to think about the execution a lot because I do think it really matters and may actually affect how you think about which ideas and which organizations to support. But where I really want to focus today is scale and thinking about systemic change. Uh, that's so what is scale, or how do we think about scale? So there's a very tiny dot in the middle, which is today's impact. That's the impact that a dollar that you give today has on kind of today and the future outcomes. And the way I think about this is if you gave to an intervention or to an organization, and you knew that organization would not exist tomorrow or next year, what would the impact be? And I think we spend a lot of time thinking about today's impact. And that question alone is a very difficult question. But it's a small dot. Give directly this year will move or raise about 40 to $50 million. So we're talking in the millions. The second circle is what that organization can look like at scale. How big can it be? And what's the likelihood that it gets there? I think 
in the case of the most successful charities, we're talking about a few billion dollars. And I hope that GiveDirectly gets to that stage and think we have a shot. But the really big circle, which actually isn't even to scale, PowerPoint and the screen clearly did not allow it, uh, is systemic change, which is the fact that development assistance, anti-poverty program, is now in the hundreds of billions of dollars. So even if GiveDirectly becomes a multi-billion dollar organization with outsized impact relative to other nonprofits, we are missing that enormous green circle of systemic change. So how can we think about not just today's impact, but the impact of tomorrow's organization and the impact on a sector? And I think we often, often create this dichotomy between movement building and doing. And I think that there are opportunities where that is a false dichotomy and you can get both. And I think cash transfers is actually one of those opportunities. So why should we care? After all, we only have so much money and we give it today. So why is scale an issue that we should even be talking about for EA? So um, operating system issues aside, um, this is a graph that shows the growth of all of us and the EA movement, and specifically GiveWell's money moved. So this is from 2007 to 2010 when they moved about 3 million to last year when they moved about 28 million. And then there's giving what you can, 80,000 hours and many more. On the right side, we have the room for funding, which is GiveWell's assessment of how much money could their top charities move this year. Well, that room for funding, excluding GiveDirectly, was 35 million, and with GiveDirectly was about 65 million. So EA is growing quickly. We got to 28 million last year, and the room for funding was 35. If this movement succeeds, we're not going to be able to find enough effective opportunities to give to. And this is something that the GiveWell folks will talk a lot about, which is the challenges of finding effective opportunities. So let's grow the movement, but let's also think about how we can grow the opportunities to give to and think about what opportunities today will become the even bigger opportunities tomorrow. That's the good news. The second part of why I think we should care about scale is that as big as we have become, and you see that same 65 million number for room for funding, we are tiny in the global picture. Um, U.S. philanthropic giving for international is 15 billion. Official development assistance is 135 billion. And there's several hundred billion more being spent on national poverty programming. Put differently, the top charity room for funding is less than a tenth of a percent development assistance. So how can we think about not just increasing the room for funding, but affecting the hundreds of billions on the right side of that graph. And the reason we should be thinking about that is because while there are many good ideas in this room and in the EA community, a lot of that spending is highly ineffective. Just to give you two examples, the very simple question where you take a donor government who donates a dollar to some poverty cause and ask how much of that reaches the recipient after it goes to the aid agency, the contractor, NGO headquarters, NGO country office, and NGO program. 
and that's the simple version, is a question that for most programming we can't even answer. And in the cases where the media has looked into this, and I think the media has played an incredibly important role, um, the results have been disappointing and depressing. And Haiti is the most recent example of this. Um, you guys have probably all seen the ProPublica and NPR piece on this. Um, we've spent about $9 billion in Haiti. Uh, that's about $900 per person, or more than the GDP per capita in the country. We literally could have doubled, given twice as much, or given the GDP per capita to everyone in the country for what we spent with relatively limited results. So if I've convinced you that scale tomorrow matters and we should be thinking about it, the next question is, what's needed for scaled impact? How do I identify the things today that will have the scaled impact tomorrow and the systemic impact as well? So I think the first piece of it is something that Eva talked a lot about, which is that you actually need something to have widespread results of evidence. It needs to be replicable. It can't just be that you had one study in one location at one time by one organization that shows impact. And there are a lot of those examples. You want to find interventions and in organizations that have shown the ability time and time again to have an impact. Um, I think that cash is one of those. What this is is a map that shows high quality research on cash in the different locations of these programs. And I think one of the biggest lessons from the cash, cash research is really how heterogeneous the uses of cash are. So if you go to Malawi, the impact of cash was primarily seen on HIV prevalence. Um, if you go to Liberia in a more recent paper, it was on criminal and illegal activity. Uh, you have impact on income and so on and so forth. So how externally valid are the studies? How broad is your evidence base? Because if it only works once, it's not going to scale. The second piece is on execution, which is almost stating the obvious, that simple interventions that depend on abundant inputs have a higher chance of scaling. Um, on the left, we have literally the world's best teacher. I recently learned that this, um, there's actually an award for this. Uh, she won a million dollars. Um, it is really hard to replicate the world's best teacher, if not definitionally impossible. Um, we can replicate machines and algorithms and technology and processes that are redundant in every way. Um, that scales a lot more easily than these hard-to-find exceptional inputs. Uh, one of my favorite stories of this um, was from a project that started uh, to address teacher absenteeism. So teacher absenteeism is a big issue. Uh, the project was in India and was conducted by an NGO. Uh, they introduced cameras. So they said, take a picture of you and your children, and if you have photographic evidence that you are actually at the school, we will pay you. Seems pretty simple. Um, and it had dramatic results. Teacher absenteeism fell by about half. The Indian government looked at this and said, well, this is great. We should take the program to the health sector, because doctors and nurses also, and people don't show up to the health sector. So what they did is they introduced little timestamp machines where people had to, had to go in and get their timestamp that they're at the health clinic. Um, 
And there are exceptions. So there are public holidays that you didn't need to be there for. The machine might break. There are various reasons why you may not be able to get a timestamp. So there's a register that you would note down what your exceptions were, and the supervisor would approve it. So what happened? It worked for six months. Um, people started showing up. Same dramatic improvements we saw in education. And then what happened after that was what the academics called machine problems. Well, it looked, turned out that the machines weren't working often, that there are lots of exceptions that the machines weren't working, so people had to note it and they still got paid. Well, when the researchers looked into it, the machine problem was actually a human problem, which is that the machines were tampered with and broken. And the supervisors were just signing off on this. So this was an intervention that looked like it was dependent on machines, but ultimately was dependent on high quality ethical supervisors, which was hard to replicate. So think about simplicity and think about scalable inputs. And now we come to the ecosystem point. How do you affect an ecosystem? What does a movement look like? And I think at GiveDirectly, we've done a couple of things, and this is the way that we've thought about it. The first is to prove the impossible possible. It's almost the simplest type of proof. When we started, people said cash would not work. Give a man a fish and feed him for a day. We all knew the truth. Well, the truth turned out to be wrong. And a couple of good RCTs started to establish that. Um, there are still lots of settings where people doubt the efficacy of cash. Um, and this is a place that Give Directly is working. If you say it can't work where the market doesn't exist, let's try it and see if supply starts showing up. Let's really push the envelope and see if the impossible is actually possible. The second is the notion that we can create a benchmark for effectiveness. For too long in the sector, the lower bound has been zero. It's been a do no harm culture. And I think we can do better. Um, we should make the case that we are doing better than simply giving people cash. And I think thanks to EA, thanks to I think a lot of what's been happening, we've been starting to see a shift in the sector to ask the question of what is the implication of cash for the sector? So um, CGD hosted an event called Cash Transfers, the new benchmark for foreign aid. DFID is hosting a panel now asking what the implications of cash transfers are for the humanitarian system. Um, and this is becoming a much broader debate than just giving people a dollar. And the third place where GiveDirectly has been working is on answering key policy and design questions that governments and other people doing cash have. I think we have a lot of evidence that cash works and a lot less evidence on how to do cash well. How much money should you give? Whom should you give to? When should you give? Um, and governments are making pretty dramatic increases in their cash programming. Indonesia is moving fuel subsidies to cash. Kenya is thinking about integrating their cash programs. Someone has to make a decision on how to design these programs. Um, we want to be a lab for answering that because we can move quickly and generate high-quality evidence to actually answer the government's design questions. So what does it look like at scale? What does this look like of five and ten years, five or ten years? And I think the easiest way to answer it is an analogy, which is the index fund. And these are passively managed funds like Vanguard that got introduced 40 years or so ago. 
And the index fund has really changed the sector on two dimensions. One is that it's grown tremendously from 1980, where the bar doesn't even appear, to 2010, where it's nearly a quarter of all invested funds are now in index funds. I look forward to the day when cash is not a percent or two or several. We actually don't even know how much it is because we don't measure it well. But 20 or more percent of development assistance. But I would argue that the biggest impact that the index fund and Vanguard had on the sector was not the growth per se, but the impact on everybody else. This is the um, second page of the Berkshire Hathaway annual report. One column is Warren Buffett's returns and Berkshire Hathaway's returns over that period. And the other is the S&P index. Berkshire Hathaway justifies their returns by making the case that they're doing better than the index fund benchmark. And my question and hope is how far away are we from a point where every NGO or development intervention has on page two of their annual report a comparison with cash transfers where they, like Warren Buffett did successfully, make the case that they're doing more good with your dollar than the poor could themselves. Thanks, everyone. Uh, I'll be around, so please, uh, yeah, come talk. <laughs>